Welcome to the Consultants Council podcast, a place for consulting industry guidance and best practice advisory. Whether you're working to grow in your consulting career, you're managing and developing a consulting firm, you're working with consultants, or you're just interested in business and high-performance advice, we've got recommendations and education for you. I'm Kelsey Kreveling, founder and CEO of Kelsey Consulting, a firm focused on building high-performing organizations, teams, and individuals through a variety of ventures, including the Consultants Council. I've spent my career at the intersection of technology and management consulting, working with organizations across the country to help solve their toughest challenges, while also supporting the growth and development of multiple consulting firms, helping them improve their long-term performance trajectory. In addition, I'm an entrepreneur across a few different industries and I serve as a startup investor and advisor, promoting the ideas of other entrepreneurs as they work to gain traction in their industries. With so many people gearing up to launch their own businesses and establish their own consulting practices, I wanna make available the advice and lessons I've learned along the way. This podcast is made possible by Kelsey Consulting with media support by Class Act Media. For more information, check out our site at theconsultantscouncil.com and kelsey.consulting. That's K-E-L-S-C dot consulting. And now, stay tuned for this episode's counseling because the consulting world is full of nuances and the answer is always, it depends. What's possible? Do more. Hey there, I'm Kelsey Krebling with the Consultants Council podcast and I am super excited for today's episode with entrepreneur and consultant Jackson Callum. Jackson is the founder of First Class Business as well as the host of Vision Pros podcast. That's how we met. He invited me to be a guest recently on his show, which focuses on having founders share their vision uh, for what it is that they're working on. But really excited actually today to dig into Jackson's vision, into his history, into his lessons, and into what has inspired him to create a symbiotic set of organizations that are all focused on fueling his vision and the ability to help others. So tune in for today's episode. Really excited for Jackson to share his experiences, lessons, and recommendations. All right, welcome to the Consultants Council podcast. I am super thrilled to be joined today by entrepreneur and consultant Jackson Callum. Uh, actually, let me pause. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did it perfectly. That's cool. Perfect. It almost right. never happens. Okay. Good. <laughs> no, actually, recently I found out I was pronouncing one of my good friends' last names completely wrong because I'd never heard her say it. And she just looks at me. She's like, that's not how you say it. I'm like, well, tell me how to. <laughs> right. Okay. Callum. I'll start over. Callum, you got it. Got it. All right, welcome to the Consultants Council podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. Joining me is founder, entrepreneur, and consultant, Jackson Callum. Welcome, Jackson. Thank you, Kelsey. It's my honor to be here. Yeah. So you are also in Texas. Woo-woo. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Yeehaw. You know, <laughs> whichever one you want. Yep, yep. Are, are y'all getting the same kind of weather that we're being treated to here in Houston? Um... It is drizzly um, and about about 60 degrees, I believe. Um, okay. So I think it's kind of nice. Equally is, is miserable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. 
Awesome. Well, um, glad to have you on the show today. Now, Jackson, you've had a really interesting career evolution through the years. You've been in a lot of different industries. You've seen a lot of different inner workings. And now you're doing something really unique where you're, I mean, I'll let you speak to it specifically, but I'd love to dig into that. I'd love to hear how you've crafted this career of yours and how it's taken you in in a multitude of pathways and how you've really singled out what it is that you want to, to really pursue. Wow. Um, that, that journey, I'm going to talk fast for everybody's sake on this. Um, I'm going to start though, when I was at lifetime fitness and backtrack a little bit. So lifetime fitness, I was there and this super bowl champion, uh, NFL Rams gentleman. So it was date. He was, he was fair. He was in his forties. Um, and, no, he was in his fifties and, you know, he came in to buy a membership from me and he mentored me the entire time we're talking. He took me into the cafeteria, sent me out for lunch. He's like, Jackson, um, you know, I, as I, you know, I won the Super Bowl. We won the Super Bowl. A few years later, I retired. And at 40 years old, I went back to university and wanted to become a dentist. And everybody said I was crazy. Um, and he said, it was the best choice I ever made. I was so excited about that. And now I uh, said, I just opened the most state-of-the-art uh, spa and recovery Re rehabilitation center for athletes in San Antonio. Um, same exact contractor that you guys use here, Lifetime Fitness. Um, and he said, you can do anything that you want, man. It's like, never feel like you're stuck in what you do. And I was so grateful for his mentorship because, and I, maybe I put off a vibe that made him know that I was either headed towards greater things or that I felt stuck. I don't know. Um, I really liked my job there, but now let's rewind. I had a 0.33 GPA in college after graduating early and doing the senior address for the summer school graduates. Um, but I told my mom, I'm either dropping out or I'm graduating early. Take your pick. I was not happy with high school. I wanted to go. And Van Wilder had just come out. I didn't see the movie. I saw the trailer. And Ryan Reynolds goes, college is the best four years of your life. Why not make it longer? And I thought, college is the best four years of my life. Why wait? Right. So that's what inspired me. No, I wasn't this perfect kid who, you know, had all the accolades. I just wanted out. I wanted to go experience life. And so I went, I got my 0.33 GPA, I spent a lot of time with my friends, a lot of time dating and uh, did really well at that. And then I go on this mission to Uruguay for two years and I really honed in my purpose while I was there um, and found out that, uh oh, I screwed up my my college career when I left. Um, and I became super obsessed with this mission of helping people driven by two past realities. One, I grew up in my house with my mom and my five older sisters. And it was like the perfect home with all the love in the world. I was the baby brother that was never expected. Um, my mom's first husband died in a plane crash when she was 28. So my sisters never expected to have a little brother. Uh, my dad comes into the picture. Um, very charismatic, wonderful father to me and an alcoholic that's super verbally abusive um, and to almost everybody else. And one of the worst cases I've ever seen um, in movies or anything. And so I was loved by everybody and spoiled rotten. He met my stepmom when I was five at my grandpa's gas station. We literally went home with them that night within 30 minutes and stayed the night. And spent I spent nights in other homes too. Um, it was a very interesting scenario. And because of the way he treated my step siblings and the way he treated her, the backlash often came towards me. 
Um, and I was in the next target. So one home, we've got all love, all joy. One home, we've got a lot of hate, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of domestic abuse, a lot of, a lot of unsavory realities. And I knew I had this responsibility that I, if I would regret it for the rest of my life, if I didn't dedicate a few years to helping families realize there's a way out, there are great opportunities for families out there. So I went to Uruguay and I end up uh, 18 months out there, giving my heart and soul to the people. And there's this family and the oldest of six children is nine years old. And he looks exactly like my nephew, like spitting image to me. And, and, and so I'm like, well, this is different. And they lived in a little concrete box, um, you know, a little bit smaller than my, my own bedroom nowadays. And, you know, a tin roof um, leaked and they had a, they had one twin mattress pad, foam pad. It wasn't a mattress. It was a foam pad and it was almost worn thin, like, like to the floor. And mom weighed about 300 pounds. Um, dad was in and out of their lives and we come and visit week after week. And sometimes he's there. Sometimes he's, she doesn't know if he's coming back or not. Um, and you know, I'm thinking, where does my nephew sleep? You know, does he get to sleep on a bed at all? Does, does he not, you know, like it was so emotionally hard. Um, you know, the dogs and cats, they were taking care of too. And dad would be smoking and I'm like ready to deck him. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, like freaking take care of your family. What are you doing? You know, but there's just this passion in me that's bridled and you know, I'm like, maybe, maybe he's the best she's got. Um, you know, like, like keep your mouth shut, dude. Like this is not your place. Um, you know, you can do your best to inspire and help, but there was something holding me back. Cause I was a very, like, I am I'm, I'm going to get after it. I'm going to take action in life. Um, so one night we're walking home and it's about nine 30 and we got to get home fast for past curfew. And, uh, I see the silhouette walking at us towards on the street and I know who it is. It's my, it's my nephew. And we saw lots of hungry people. Um, in Uruguay, we saw lots of needs. We didn't see starvation very often. Um, here comes my nephew starving and says, can I have a piece of bread? And I said, I don't, I don't have anything. You gotta go home. And he, the, the look of disappointment from your own, you know, flesh and blood, um, walking around me going home and, and me thinking through that. I got two people walking with me They're They're again, they're used to this. Like we, we have to deal with this every day. Um, and so they're talking, I am silently bawling. You know, I don't want them to know. I'm just like tears are flowing. I'm looking down. I've got a nice white shirt and tie on. Um, you know, I've got a backpack. I'm, I've got all this stuff and I feel so dirty. I feel like, why do I have all this when they have nothing? Um, you know, and so I almost ripped my clothes. Like I was so traumatized by the experience. And so I started thinking, okay, tomorrow I need to go work in the rice fields. I can make some money doing that. Um, I'm going to open a little computer store here. They rent these computers out. That's those people seem to have it put together. And, and I'm going to teach these people how to turn their lives around and start little businesses. And, and whack, it's like I was smacked in the face. And I heard a voice that said, Jackson, why don't you go home, take advantage of your education for once, learn about business and help as many towns like this as you possibly can. And I, um, I thought my first thought was like, isn't that selfish? You know, I go back and I get to be first world and, and have all these amazing things and, 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 and this life. And, and I never got an answer to that because my answer was already given. And I, I fought with that for many years. I came back, went to the, the, the BYU Marriott school of business and the counselor. And I was so calm. I was like, I'm ready. It's like, I know I messed up first, but I'm ready. And, and the counselor looks at me and goes, um, son, I've done some stupid things in my life too. 
Um, and, and my life turned out great. You have to change your major. There's no way. There's no way you're getting in. So I walk out of that office and I remember like everything about this moment, you know, walking out and feeling like, what do I do? You know, I, one, I don't want to get student loans. Um, I don't feel comfortable with that. I'm, you know, I'm out of money. Um, you know, and I, I, my dad's, my dad's wealthy, but he's out of the picture. So I couldn't get, I couldn't get a grant, couldn't get a scholarship, not with my grades. So I, and I ended up in network marketing and that gave me a taste of, whoa, everything I did on my mission is so similar to this. And this comes with leadership and business stuff. And, and then I learned if I just attract the, the attention of a business owner, I can get into business. And so I started to apply for jobs, um, you know, after, after failing at network marketing, I think in 10 months I spent like every dime I had credit card dime I had, um, you know, got kicked out of my mom's house, um, because I was pursuing that, um, got, uh, a nine, I think it was a $9 and 32 cent check from ACN. Thanks ACN. Um, awesome. Uh, you know, I had recruited like 16 people, but I recruited this single mom who I was like, don't do this. Like you, you are not in the financial position to do this. And I'm working so hard with everybody to help everybody win. I will feel awful if you do not win at this. And she's like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. She gets out of credit. She, she moves forward with it. I do the little in-house party with her. And after the party, even though I'm going to her house, I'm driving, she's done. She, she's nice to me. We're friends, but she's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm like, you got to get your money back. She's like, no, nope, I'll be fine. Jackson. I don't want to do it. Like this is, this isn't for me. And I felt so awful. ACN didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. Um, you know, but I was, I was like, no, there has to be a clear path for victory for people because that's that it was like $700 that she didn't have, you know? And I'm like, okay, I gotta figure something out. So anyway, I ended up at lifetime fitness as a advisor. Um, I went in to apply there again, all you consultants that are trying to get jobs, by the way, this story is going to help you a lot because here I was, 0.33 GPA, no background in sales. Uh, I go to Lifetime Fitness. You know, it's a publicly traded company, $36 million fitness facility. Um, and Vito Frescas from ACN had taught me. He's an old dude, owned the owned a Lincoln car dealership. He said, Jackson, when I was 14 years old and my mom moved us to America, I went into a car dealership. They're never hiring, by the way ever. They don't have first hiring signs. They want people who are going to crush it and come in and, and take the job. So I went and I said, listen, I know you got somebody in here who's not selling cars into this. Fire them, hire me. I'll be your best salesman the first month. Right. 14 years old. They gave him a job. You know, he's old dude. They, they could do that back then. Um, but I was like, cool. He's like, man, he said, if I found a shoe in the trash can, I would find somebody who had one leg and sell it to him. Like I did everything I could to survive. Um, you know, so Vito took manager's wing and helped me a little bit. I go into Lifetime Fitness, you know, I put my application online. I go in, right? I'm not going to wait. I go in to seize my opportunity and I talk to the salesperson. I don't say fire somebody, but I say, hey, I'm ready to be in your sales team. I'd be an awesome asset. And she goes, I'll have everything open. But I was like, I'm, I, I know that. I was like, but I'm still ready to, to go. And she's like, come back in November. And she walked away, done. Like, no, I was like, Oh man, I think that sucked. Um, so what else did I do? I, why I put in applications for sales. I put in applications for birthday party coordinator. I put in applications for rock climber instructor, et cetera. And, and so I got called for birthday party coordinator. So I go in, you know, birthday party. I'm like, I got 30 plus nephews and nieces. I can do this. You know, I can tell them why I want this job. And so I interviewed, I got the job. The area manager pulls me into his room. He goes, birthday party coordinator, huh? Um, I was like, why that? 
I said, well, I love kids. I'm like, I thought you were going to kick me out. You know, I'm like, I, I got nephews and nieces. I'm great with kids. Like, I would, I'd be amazing there. He goes, why aren't you on my sales team? And I said, that is a great question. Um, I said, I, I applied. Um, and I really would, I would love to. I have the skill set to do it. You know, it's probably, it was probably fumbling more than that. But he closes the door and he says, I can't, I can't say this because of HR policies, but is you're Mormon, right? You're LDS. And, and I said, yeah. Um, and he said, I've hired a number of people who go to your church. They're, they're phenomenal. Like they, they have integrity. They come to work and work hard. Listen, I can train anybody how to sell, but I can't train integrity. And you have that. He said, so I'm going to get you an interview for tomorrow. Okay, great. So I come in and here's the sales manager. Why are you here? Mark wants me on the sales team. Trying to be as nice as I can without condescending at her, you know, like this is supposed to be my boss. She's like, well, I don't have a position open. Um, I'll take you on a club tour. Oh, I'm excited about that, right? Yeah, we took this 45-minute awkward walk around the entire thing where she's not excited to talk to me. Feels like I'm wasting her time doing this back. I go back into Mark's office and he goes, How'd it go? Um, and I was like, uh, we had a good walk. We got to see the club and you know, I'd I'd be honored to work here. Um, she doesn't, you know, we she didn't ask me a single question. Left it at that. I will say for the, again, those consultants struggling to find opportunities, not throwing her under the bus, right? Pointing out the evidence, the reality of what did happen though, probably secured that opportunity above and beyond the, the fact that he gave me this um, blind faith integrity flag, right? And he got me, he called me back that night. He said, I got a position for you at our other club across town. Um, and I'll get your start, you're get start next week. Um, so took that job. Now I'll fast forward to the rest, but I was a terrible leader. Um, I, I ended up, we had, a, we had a great time at the club. I ended up number 10 in sales my last month there. Um, I broke the, the record for amount of calls in a day, 204 calls. Cody and my team beat me on the same day. He made 210, so I didn't even last five minutes. Um, and anyway, we, uh, I ended up at a security company after that um, because I, wasn't, I, was, I was in the process of getting engaged and our, our schedules conflict that I needed some more flexible. So I start selling door-to-door sales for security systems. Little bitty stint on that. Uh, missed my marble desk job too. Uh, we end up getting married. We go to Austin. I applied for Google, um, interviewed five times with them. And uh, on the fifth time, they said, look, we just can't, we can't, we, you know, you don't have the college degree. Um, you won't, you know, we're, we're selling $230,000 systems here and we can't justify bringing you from $60 gym memberships to that. And I said, why not? You know, I'm, I'm ready. And they said, well, that's what we love about you, but go get, go get enterprise sales experience. Just six months, call me back. Um, you know, and so I'm like, all right, um, you know, I, I didn't have anything else I could do um, other than upset him. So I figured that's my game plan. Put it on my my calendar. And I took temp jobs, but I went on to Craigslist and I found this enterprise sales position selling websites to newspapers somehow um, over in Pflugerville. And so I show up at that job interview. There's 16 of us and Lloyd Armbrust, who you can read about in hundred million dollar offers by Alex Hermosi. That was a shock. I was like, whoa, this is my startup. Um, you know, so we, we go to this garage. It's a CrossFit gym. I mean, it is run down. The AC works half the time. You don't want that in Texas, by the way. But he's got this passion and vision for 
uh, saving the newspaper industry and saving the freedom of the press, um, which again, Alex doesn't either know about or doesn't talk about in that book as he talks about Lloyd moving towards a money grab for COVID. Um, but he's got this super passion about saving it and, uh, and this websites and SEO and all the, like Paul Bukite who invented Gmail had, they're starting to get investments from Y Combinator possibly. Um, and I, all these terms are new to me though. I was in Uruguay for two years. Like I didn't know what an iPhone was. I, I, I didn't, I knew what the web was. I knew what Gmail was. That was cool. But I was like, well, I, websites have to be important. So I left that interview. You know, we, well, I, I sat down at a table with three people who were interviewing and Lloyd was, I think he was getting ready to not choose the two of us um, for some reason. And uh, this guy starts talking about podcasting and he was such a weird guy and had such a bad vibe that I was like, okay, I want nothing to do with podcasting whatsoever. I crossed it off my list. This is 2010. Um, and so I said, nope, I don't even want to touch that. That's just weird. Um, and so I ended up getting the job though. And out of the, the 16, 18 people, I went across the street and sold a website and came back. I got a website, um, you know, tell what, it, and they're like, what? I said, yeah, I just went across the street. We're in an industrial complex. Um, you know, so I got branch tree service on board. VP of sale goes, oh, I asked him, do we have a contract? Um, I said, we should probably have one of those, huh? Um, and Lloyd is toying with me, but we went, I went on Google and looked up a template and he's like, no, nah, I got one. You're good. Um, but I was ready to get things done. You know, I wanted to make a name for myself. I wanted to climb the ladders fast. So this is an opportunity to get my enterprise sales position so I could work for Google and have laundry taken care of and free meals, you know, and all the perks of an employee. So he, uh, they, so the VP of sales goes back with me and does not account for mirroring at all. Um, Brent's tree service is run by a guy who is a uh, Christian um, and, and very, and my VP of sales starts cussing um, up a storm and, and I can see Brent, you know, his eyes like go glaze over and, you know, he's eventually like, you know what, guys, I need to think about this. Um, and I know that the VP's lost the sale. And, and so my immediate reaction is almost to be upset. But then I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I'm going to have his job in like three weeks. Sweet. Um, you know, <laughs> and so I go back, play as nice as I can with the intent for that. Went to Roseville, California for the Chamber of Commerce in Roseville with the company. I sold six websites. The other guy sold one website, a different co-founder. So one website with help from somebody else. Um, and I asked, can I be on the enterprise sales team selling to newspapers? So I start contacting newspapers. We're cold calling newspapers all over the nation, telling them about the system so they can drive digital revenue streams. Newspapers, you know, paper. They want their ads sold. This is how they make their money. Don't talk to me about online. I hate online. It's eating our lunch, breakfast, and dinner and bought our house already. You know, like they don't want to be online. It was a very, very tough sell. I got trained by an Oracle sales representative. Sandler sales training came in, read the book. You can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar. Um, started just studying. How do I do all of this? My brother-in-law is seeing me struggle throughout this whole process. We're not making any money. Um, and he's like, Jackson, he's like, you got a marketing heart. You should get into marketing. I was like, dude, I failed college. Like, how do I do that? So just start studying stuff online about marketing. Start looking up digitalmarketer.com and stuff like that. And just like, I'm just hungry. I'm eager. I want to get after this and find out everything I can. And so we uh, end up five months into that and I have no sales, right? So should you follow me for sales? I don't know. Um, but I come back to work the next day. We got $537 in the bank account as a company. Lloyd lays us off. I come back to work the next day. He's got his two people there, advisors to help him exit strategy. He's in a bad mood, right? His company just lost. He's been working this for 10 years. They've had seven newspapers join in seven years. 
They had none with a team of four salespeople since then. And he said, what are you doing? Um, like, I, 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 you got to go home. I can't pay you. And I said, I don't care. I'm this close to my sales. I will, I will make my sales. He says, I can't pay you. It's a liability. Go home. No, I'm going to my desk and I'm going to make my calls and I'm going to get my sell. All right. Jackson's crazy. You guys heard him. He's going to do it. Lloyd walked out of the room, shut the door. Um, I don't blame him. His whole, his baby was, was, you know, he's, he's getting ready to have to give his baby away because he can't support this company. I go to my desk and make my calls. Within 20 days, I signed 21 newspapers, um, a group of 18 and a group of three. It was a total of about $37,000 transaction with a 30-70 split. No, 70-30 split. We had a 70 split on any, any websites that the newspaper would sell through their advertising agencies that knew nothing about web. They all knew about that, but they had the relationships. So we gave them the tools to sell the online stuff. We were fulfilling it. And then we would get that 70 to 30 cut. So everybody comes back to work. We all celebrate. So one time everybody's happy with me. Other than that, man, I was a terror to the company. Like I was awful as a leader. Um, and so, you know, I'm now I'm hot shot and I, and I go to Leesburg, Florida, start helping with these newspapers. Within two weeks, Paul Bukite and Matt Cutt sent us $10 million because we proved the concept. The concept worked, right? So you can give credit to whoever you want for that reality. Um, six months later, I've taken on another partnership for a dealership products for cars. That was awful. I hated it. Um, was good at it. Just mirror how rude car dealers are and you can get appointments quite easily. Um, you know, not all of them, but that was how the majority of it worked out. Um, actually felt filthy doing that. Um, then we launched a, I don't remember. We had some other venture in there, but this company, they wanted me to go be the director of advertising for the newspaper. And they were going to pay me $150,000 per year, plus up to $250,000 in bonus. Plus I was going to make money from own local um, as a liaison for them to be an internal source. And uh, the publisher of the paper left the paper and he was my mentor there. They asked me if I would take his job and be the publisher for three newspapers. I was 22 years old. I had never worked in a newspaper. I didn't even know what a publisher was. Um, you know, and, and so I go meet with the investors in Houston, but before I did, I would help, I was helping my neighbor on his software for restaurants. Again, I consulted everywhere I could. It didn't matter. I was doing it for free. I was trying to learn the craft and Adam was doing this thing with restaurants and hospitality management systems. And none of it made sense to me, but I could help him on the website stuff and fine dining, fine dining for me was Olive Garden. Like I'd never been in a fancy restaurant. That was, that was fancy to me. You know, that was it. Uh, but so I, he's looking for a sales guy. So I introduced him to my friend, Don, who had been doing these, these other deals with. And I, I decided to third wheel their interview. How weird is that? Um, and I went with him and I watched and listened. And Don was able to ask the questions to understand what the heck Adam was doing. And I was like, oh, that's what he's up to. And there's a partnership opportunity here. And I was Mr. Ladder Climber. You know, I'll do everything I could to try to climb the ladder. And I was done with Google at this point, by the way. I was like, no, I don't want to be an employee. I want to be, I want to, I want to go. I want to be the founder. I want to, I want to build. So I decided at that meeting, I was like, you know what? Unless the investors can convince me to take this newspaper gig, I'm jumping. I'm not going to go to this, this newspaper thing. I'm going to be co-founder with these guys, junior co-founder of Restaurant Connect, or was Blue Skies Hospitality Management Software. We're going to take over the restaurant industry with the software. 
So I go to Houston to meet with the investors. They got maps all over, uh, uh, pins all over the map for all their businesses, everything from Orange Theory to beyond. And uh, Russ, the investor, interviews me and I ask him what their five-year plan is for the newspaper. And they don't have one. Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let me move my family to, to Florida. Um, get stuck there in a newspaper they decide to sell because all that. But I'm dealing with like a Mark Cuban style individual. And so... You know, as we talk and he interviews me and he's they've given me this position, they're excited. I say, you know what, Russ, I was like, I really don't have an interest in taking the newspaper position. I've got another partnership opportunity in Austin that I'd like to take. But the one thing that supersedes that that trumps that would be working with you directly here at the investment firm. I would be happy to work with you and help you build what you're building. He screamed at me. He cussed at me. He left his own office. And I sat there going, holy crap. Like, what did he, is he going to get his hit man? Like, what, what, what's happening here? Um, you know, he comes back into the room after going to the restroom. And he says, I'm really sorry I lost my cool. And had I been in your shoes, I would have done the same thing. But I don't have a spot for you. And best wishes with the new venture. So I left, um, you know, and, and again, you got to go through this stuff as a consultant. So I went back, Restaurant Connect. We started that product. We found the name for it like three months later. We launched. We were consulting with restaurants, fine dining, high-end restaurants on using the reservation and dining room management software. I learned all sorts of things about hospitality and taking care of people. That's what it was all about. Serve, serve, serve. Uh, 24-7, you have to be perfect at what you do. Nothing can come out even slightest bit lukewarm or you know you had to be almost perfect in everything and it was it was relentless it was excruciating it was grind of all grinds uh we were picking up furniture on the side of the road repainting it and selling it to make ends meet when we realized we did not know anything about finances and we were struggling to move this forward don's dad dies he gets a life insurance policy he covers mine and adam's bills while we're building this sucker um, and three years later we've got a thirty-six thousand recurring monthly revenues company I'm training 100 distributors for PosiTouch, the third largest POS company in the world. We hosted the Masters Tournament, all seven restaurants at the Masters Tournament. We ran uh, the reservation softwares for Key Island Golf Resort and integrated their hotel into their restaurant database so they could have more, more clarity over who they were serving and what they wanted and needed. We built amazing systems. Open Table was terrified of us. Apple patented our software. Um, we had a trademark lawsuit with somebody else who tried to steal the current company and brand from us. And my buddy Jake calls me and says, Hey man, um, I'm launching this video thing and, uh, you're the most critical person I've ever met. And I need to know if I should do this or not. And I'm like, wow, Jake, that's the worst compliment I've ever received. He goes, um, no, man, like I need your, I need your help. And I said, I don't want to give you more feedback. I know I was, I was awful to him. He was my mission companion. I was terrible to him. Um, I was very hard on him. And so I don't want to. I, I really like the guy. Um, I knew he's probably going to hate me. Um, but he's, you know, he said, I can't get anybody to tell me not to do this. I said, what happened? What's going on? He said, well, I was working at Zag and we launched a YouTube channel, 23 million subscribers for a business channel. And so the founder of YouTube called me on the phone and asked me to come and be one of the 10 ambassadors for the new advertising program that was coming out. And like, Did you just say that he called you on the phone? No, yeah, he called me on the phone. And, and so I went out there and I'm like, no, no, no. Like the founder of YouTube, uh, I couldn't get over it. You know, and he's like, he's like, I know it's crazy. Um, so he goes out, he says, we, I went out with nine of the companies. 
And YouTube wanted to know as they launched their advertising platform, how do they become different than TV? Otherwise, it's just going to have the same effects and they're going to grow. They're not going to beat their competition. So he's part of the 10 people who decided, who came up with the idea that if the advertisement sucks, you should be able to skip it. Hence why there's a five second countdown to skip the ads. Help advertisers stop sucking so that people enjoy the experience more. And so he came and he said, you know what, I'm going to launch this course. So he built this course called how to turn YouTube views and how to turn your video views into sales, how to drive conversions through video. Right. And so I, I said, you know, okay, with your story, I said, I have two things for you. One, Reed Hoffman of LinkedIn said, starting a new company is like pushing a plane off of a cliff and repairing it while it's going down. Elon Musk said, you have to be crazy to be an entrepreneur. It's like eating glass. You have to be absolutely crazy to do it. Um, I said, Jake, are you crazy? You've got to be nuts to do what you're about to do. And I know like, this is so hard what I'm doing um, with Restaurant Connect. And he said, no, I got that. And I said, okay, well, number, my question number two, are you crazy? Go think, go sleep on this. Like you don't get it. You don't have any idea how hard this is going to be. You're going to have to burn every bridge, you know, et cetera. And anyway, I gave him the spiel. Uh, and so, and I said, and I'm going to destroy your course. You know that, right? He said, that's what I want. So I took his course. Um, I put like 30 hours of work into making all these tweaks to it um, while I was running Restaurant Connect. But it was a, it was, it was was symbiotic. You know, we could use this to learn about video for ourselves. And we were in the middle of trying to launch a video project. So I ate that sucker up and and spit it out too and, and gave him all this consulting back. Like, Jake, you're going to be amazing. Like being crowned the YouTube champion of the world, basically, like that, the ambassador that like, you run with this and this course and you make these adjustments, you're gonna be awesome. So Jake launches that course, makes no changes whatsoever to it, completely just ignores everything that I say. Um, you, know, and I'm, you know, my ego is like hurt bad. And Brian Dice, six months later, puts him on stage, traffic and conversion summit, calls him the YouTube ad expert of the world. And Jake Larson's, you know, on the mountaintop of all things YouTube. And I'm, and I, but I told him when I get back, I said, dude, I've, I've got something hot right now. I got to do this. Like, just do me a favor. Don't forget me. Um, you know, like as you, as you go forward, but I have to stay focused on this. We're so close. Open table just sold for $2.3 billion. Like we can make this happen, you know? Um, so he, uh, he became the YouTube ad expert of the world. And I'm looking at it going, whoa, I need to learn about the 80-20 principle. I don't need to be perfect in all things. And we were trying so hard at Restaurant Connect to be perfect. We were crushing ourselves. We weren't, we weren't doing the things we needed to do. We were doing all the hard things to grow. And so I had told my business partners, my daughter's three, I will be the janitor. I will step down. I'm not going to be the face of the company anymore, but I need balance. I, I'm not going to continue working night and day all day long every day. My daughter turns three and they say, Jackson, 10 more years, 10 more years. We'll be there. We'll be just fine. I said, no guys, I'm not coming to my daughter at 12 years old and saying, Hey, my name's dad. What's your name? Not going to happen. Like, well, you're going to be a better provider for your family. If you do this, this is your obligation and you have to do this, et cetera. And I was checked out, thought, Nope, I got to find, went to a custom software firm for a little bit, same red flags and problems, consulted with them. Uh, again, I was young. I got, you know, these consultants out there. You're ever told like you're too young. Why would he go with you, the 22 year old versus the 45 year old? Why, why, why would we do that? They have more years of experience. You know, one of the best things you can do is not fight that scenario, validate the experience, you know, and say, you know what, that's a great question. Um, can I propose a scenario? Right, get permission to, to move forward on that. Okay. Yeah, great. Um, I don't know the 45 year old. They may be better than me. Um, but let's pretend we're both pilots. 
And pilots are judged based on 10 on their hours of flight time. So who would you rather fly the plane with? A 22 year old that already has 10,000 hours of flight time or a 45 year old who has 10,000 hours of flight time spread out over 15 more years. And maybe most of those flight hours were done during their first decade. Maybe they haven't flown the plane recently. Who would you rather fly with? Now, before you answer that, again, I'm not, let's not leverage fear of missing out here or, or press you into anything. Here's what I recommend you do. Invite them to come in for a two and a half hour consultation and invite me to come into the two and a half hour consultation as well. And let either one of us go first to present, but pay attention to which one of us attacks the other. <clears throat> pay attention to which one of us doesn't want to play as a team member. Actually, in fact, see if they'll even be willing to give you two and a half hours of their time for free to win this deal. I doubt it. Uh, the contract was mine already. You know it. Um, that was done. Right. And that's that you can leverage your weakness as your strength when you learn to realize the strengths of your position um, when when you want to go to bat and you want to win the contracts. There's a lot of ways to do that. It's one way for you younger contractors or newer consultants out there as well. You don't need a degree. That's mine. It's right here. Um, you know, you, you don't need a certification you need to be dedicated to driving results for people and you need to care. Um, and you need to learn what you're doing. The, <clears throat> so back to that reality, um, here, here we were, um, here I was consulting with this custom software firm do, doing really good things, but we had challenges and it was, it was awful. I was going out of, uh, I was working with a team in India, a great team in India, but when they would miss things at, at night, I'd have to stay up late to catch them in the morning. And so the turnaround time for working with these uh, these individuals was hard, but they also questioned everything that I did because they're like, well, he doesn't have a degree. You know, why does why does his thought matter? Um, you know, and and Natasha would be like, well, Jackson, I kind of got a good point. And I'm like, dude, well, you told me you would never question me on that uh, when I came into this. Um, you know, they want I know that they think that Google wants 900 word blog articles and that that's the most important key, but it's not. The most important key is providing actual value. And these articles are so not valuable that that we have to make we have to find them and, for, and he's like well i don't know man so i didn't like that and uh i looked at a thousand jobs was ready to go back to an employee and i looked at jake larson playing the piano with his daughter on on facebook uh, from video power and i'm like not sulking but i'm like jealous you know and so i got on linkedin terrified very very insecure in, in my realities of business life and what i should do and I sent him the worst cover letter in the world. Um, and I said, Jake, I'm really jealous of the time you get to spend with your daughter. Um, I'm done with startups, man. I'm so burnt out. And I want to, I would love to help you with growth if you're still in a position to, to need help. But if not, please just send my info to somebody who's got the balance of life that you have. And I hit send. And like immediately I wanted the unsend button. I was like, oh, I just... Uh, one, I just beg Jake for a job. Two, I man, like, hey, can I get any more vulnerable? Um, you know, in this in this scenario, <laughs> so, you have to put it out there, right? I mean, you have to ask for what you want. You won't get it if you don't. I thought he forgot me. You know, maybe maybe he's already gone on to do big things and didn't even remember me. You know, I, I was worried to be embarrassed. I was very scared to be on stage. And fifteen minutes later, I got a message back. Let's do it, homie. He flew me out to Salt Lake. Um, I got there, uh, headquarters. It was his basement. It was him and two interns. Granted, 
they already had Vivint as a client. They had Yahoo.com. They had Entrepreneur on Fire, John Lee Dumas. They had Corel um, uh, Draw, which is a competitor with Adobe. Nordic Track. Uh, their, the Nordic Track commercial went super viral. Treadmill Dance Off, you can look it up. Uh, Travis Chambers was producing commercials for us. He won the number one YouTube ad of the decade with Kobe Bryant and Lionel Messi on Turkish Airlines. And it was him and two interns. And they had 70,000 people visiting their website per month. They had to take their phone number off the website because their traffic was so huge because they had one blog article that was how to make money on YouTube. It was supposed to be for businesses, but it ranked number one on Google for that. And so they had all this traffic come in and Jake actually hated the article at the time because it was a distraction from his core audience. Those people wanted to learn how to launch channels. Hey, how do I create a channel? I'm 16 years old. Um, you know, and so he didn't know how to leverage that traffic. And so I'm like, I've been working so freaking hard my whole life to try to get these businesses to work out. He's in his basement with two interns working with some of the top companies in the world. 70,000 people per month come to his website. Like, oh my gosh, like there's so much you can learn here. So he says, so, so Jackson, I want to, I want to learn how to scale this to 20 clients from five clients at a time. Uh, I've got these two interns and they're great, but I don't know if like what, how to do this. And I said, well, I don't really know either, man. Um, I said, but here's my theory. Everybody loves you. You got this charisma about you and charm. I said, so in essence, forgive me for the analogy, Jake, but you're going to be mom of the company. You need to nurture people and help people love you. And I'm going to be dad. And it's my job to help people be accountable. And when things get kind of tough, I'm going to, I'm going to let them know how they can do things better. But when they get mad at me because I'm making the company a little bit less fun and, you know, really training people on how to do what they need to do so you don't have to shadow them and jump in and do things for them you got to back me up when they come to you and say, Jackson's not very fun. Like Jackson told me to do this. I don't like it. Jackson did this. You got to be willing to protect me as the dad and say, Hey, dad loves you too. He just, you know, has an order that he needs to do things based on. And so if we do that, they'll be fine. But the other thing you need to be willing to do is if I start training them on executive behaviors and they don't measure up, you got to be willing to let them go. Say, okay, cool. We'll do it. So every once in a while, find a salt lake. And uh, within three weeks, these guys were so sharp. They had served missions that helped. Um, they were so sharp that they were both executive level behaviors. And I told them in the beginning, I said, there's two things Jake needs to be doing this time. All you entrepreneurs, this is almost applies for all of you. There's two things Jake needs to be doing this time. He needs to be playing golf with other executives. Or in other words, using his hobby as associated with his industry. And he needs to be going to conferences, getting on stage, playing the jazz piano because that's what he does. And people gravitate towards him. If we can help Jake do that as, as, as his full responsibility, because we're taking care of all the operations, this company will scale and grow. We have to. So we can't be jealous of Jake. We can't be mad at Jake for doing those things. That's what gives us the ability to have unlimited vacation days and our balance. And so that's what our focus was. And we hired people with that mindset. We brought on lots of clients. Uh, the snowball started with uh, Todd Heckman, who this is where my big podcast baptism came into play. Right. So I'm, I'm getting my golf bag out of my car, happy as can be with my new life balance of video power marketing. I'm making a percentage of the company revenues. That's my incentive to grow it. He had no problem with that. It was a great deal um, on both our sides. And if he didn't grow, I didn't grow, um, you know, and so it was a perfect model where and I trusted him to fulfill on that. We had a great relationship. Right. So I'm getting my golf bag out. My phone rings and I say, this is Jackson with Video Power Marketing. How can I help you? And this guy goes, 
I just wanted to make sure you spoke English. I go, yes, sir. How can I help you today? Um, and, on, and he said, well, uh, my name's Todd and I run a laser hair removal company called Laserway. We have eight locations and I shouldn't do this, but take my money. I've never been on a sales call like this in my life. I've been on a lot of sales opportunities. Like what is happening? You know, and I'm like, I got my golf bag, you know, like I'm going to play right now. This is happening. Like, this is so cool. And so, you know, I don't react to that though. You know, I stay in my composed consultant mode, you know, Hey, that's great, Todd. Tell me about your story. Um, so, well, I listened to this podcast religiously for business purposes and Jake was on there and they called him the YouTube ad expert of the world. And I've invested more than six figures on my YouTube channels. We're not really driving much, but like I said, take my money. I'm ready to go. Um, the power of podcasting, right? The power of somebody with an actual authority, with an audience. Hearing it. Yep. Showing. I was yep. like, whoa, this podcast stuff is cool. Um, you know, so we, we, uh, sign up, talk from Laserway, and then we get, uh, Ryan Blair and his second book launch, New York times, bestselling author, two, $2 billion company by Salas friends with Lewis house. He sends Lewis house our way. Lewis house jumps on board. Um, and I got to fix one of his campaigns last minute. Um, you know, it's not and then Dr. Eric Berg comes on board and it's my first time to replace Jake as a strategy session, $497 strategy session. And I got to go in with Dr. Eric Berg, who's expecting Jake Larson to be on the call. I was terrified. I knew I was going to lose my job. You know, he's going to get mad at me. I, by, but here's why I knew I was going to lose my job. He had the worst website that I'd seen in a very long time. And my job was to vet our clients to find out, do are they in a position to where we can spend $10,000 a month on YouTube ads in order to help them scale? He was not even close. You can start looking up Dr. Eric Berg right now, those of you who are listening. Uh, you're going to want to see that. Uh, he had 106,000 subscribers on YouTube, though. So he had every reason with the claim of being a doctor and the 106,000 subscribers. He had every reason to be as pretentious as he wanted to be. So he comes into that meeting. I go into that meeting terrified, 25, 26 years old. And I'm um, like, hey, Dr. Berg, how are you? Um, he's like, call me Eric Jackson. Um, you know, and, and I'm like, OK, Dr. Eric Berg. Oh, <laughs> no, you can just call me Eric. It's OK. Uh, I mean, uh, where's Jake at? And I said, oh, I, I actually do the strategy sessions um, with Jake to, to help him um, vet clients and, and help clients make sure they're ready to go. I'm on the business development side. And OK, that sounds good. I'm like, oh, OK, good. Um, you know, and so I'm like, all right. And, I, and I'm, I'm a very direct person. I was far more direct back then than I am now. Um, but, you know, we're diving in. And I say, OK, first things first, your website, um, it's bright yellow and bright red. Stop, think, stop, sign and yield signs. These are things that make people stop around. He said, okay. Um, it's like, do you guys help with branding and, and like remaking it? No, we just, we just do what we do the videos. Um, you know, that's what we do. We help, we help with the video ads. So you can scale. And he's like, okay, well I, I can work on that. You know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. You know, I'm used to these entrepreneurs who are like, oh, well, I like yellow and I red draws people's attention and I know better than you. Uh, uh, -uh. no, you, no, you don't. Um, you know, like let, let's calm down here. Um, but again, I'm just, I'm just 25 year old Jackson. This is Dr. Eric Berg with 106. And here he is taking notes ferociously. And I'm like, cool, man, this guy's got it. Um, and then he's like, what next? Dr. Berg, if you were to go out to a restaurant, you're going to go through a lot, right? a lot of restaurants this year. How many more newsletters do you want from restaurants that you go to? None. Nobody wants your newsletter. He goes, 
shoot, what do I do? Um, and I said, well, um, you can add an incentive, a really strong incentive that inspires people to want to, to move in towards that newsletter, whether that's 75% off of something, whether that's, you know, a free article that, you know, people really want, just give a couple of ideas. Um, he's like, oh man, that's amazing. That's a great idea. Okay. I know exactly what we'll do with that. Okay, great. Um, he said, he said, give me three days. I'll get all this stuff done. I said, can I just be blunt with you? He goes, yeah, your website is so bad. I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. I was scared to go to it, worried that my identity would be taken just by visiting it. It doesn't look like it even belongs to you or your brand. And you're never going to drive transactions at scale if you don't fix the whole thing. Okay, give me three days. I'll get it done. I'll be right back. That is championship level leadership at its mm -hmm. best, at its finest. He, he, if you again, anybody who goes to the brand right now and looks up, he's got his face on his pill bottles. It looks cooler than Dr. Scholl. You go to his website, it's optimized and everything. Uh, he went from 106,000 subscribers and it's fun to go every quarter and look back because last year he grew up 1 million subscribers per quarter. Wow. He's like close to 12 million subscribers now. Yeah. Uh, I sent him a, a, a message, uh, an email like uh, a year and a half ago. And I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I just want to say hi. Like I'm super happy to see how your success is going. He's like, hey, Jackson, yeah, good to hear from you. Um, you know, and I was like, all right, that's nice. Bobby's assistant. I don't know. Jackson, don't you find that when people, A, are experts themselves and are willing to go get consulting support for something they're not an expert in, they're much more open to it. They've made the commitment. Absolutely. And, and those of you who don't do that, you have the invitation and opportunity to start doing that. And I know it's scary. We live in a world where trust is very low with marketers and growth experts. And it, it should be. You have to be careful, but you got to find people who are willing to help you evaluate. How do you recognize a true growth consultant, somebody who's an actual expert? Matt Cutts taught us that at Own Local. And I'm so grateful for it. He's the search director for Google. He ran Google. And so here we were, an SEO company, ready to say, we have Matt Gotts. We have exact access to SEO. We know more about SEO than anybody. You know, like that's exactly what we wanted to portray ourselves as. And he hit that right on the head when he trained Lloyd. And he said, train your team. I wasn't at this training. It was Lloyd delivering it to us. He said, he said the, the real sign of an expert. An expert is somebody who does not know everything. An expert is the person who is willing to go get the answer efficiently and bring it back to you. They're willing to study and figure it out. Guys, I don't know everything about SEO. He said, I, I have a thousand people who are changing the algorithm every single day. I don't know what they did yesterday, but if there's a change, if there's something you notice, if there's a question you have, I can go to the right engineer and find that answer. So even though some people think I'm the God of SEO, that's not how it works. When you position yourself as a brand in that fashion, showing people not being scared to own the fact that you don't know it all, you will then become an expert. Mm -hmm. It's so much more powerful to be an aggregator of information and to know that you don't know the answers, but you know how to go get them and find them. That's far more powerful than somebody who is just a walking encyclopedia because that encyclopedia becomes out of date. I lost my job at Video Power. Most people don't know that. Jake called me up after a client saw a call. We had just turned the client around. It was amazing. And I'm not one to celebrate. I'm always like, hey, help me. What else can I do? But I knew I'd rock this call. We have the call and he goes, I got to let you go. 
And I start crying to me. I guess how much I love that company. I start crying. We, him and I had been working on a partnership agreement. I wanted to turn it into a hundred million dollar company. Like I was so ready to crush this with him and make it, make it, make it, make it, make it, make it. And yeah. he said, like, and I, and I start, so I asked him, you know, the, the question I'm scared of, like, is this about the agreement? And he said, kind of, um, you know, and he had, he had taken the agreement and he made, no, he had sent an agreement to me to, to make our partnership more official. And I kind of nitpicked and destroyed it. Um, you know, it's just part of the process of healthy dialogue. I didn't know that I, just thought I was being a jerk. Um, you know, I thought he was going to be upset and he, he wasn't, he thought he was, but he wasn't. And then I said, dude, it's right before Christmas. Um, you know, I was like, like, I, you know, he said, no, no, no. He said, I'm going to pay you an extra month. Um, so, but Jackson, it's time to spread your wings and go fly. Like you've, you're ready for your own company. Um, and I was like, no, man, like, like you're just, you know, I'm thinking he's just being nice, you know, just being kind. And, uh, you know, and I said, I have a non-compete with you. I can't touch the space for five years. You know, like, what am I supposed to do? Um, you know, and he said, no, you don't. He said, I'm shredding that. He said, if you come across anybody who's spending $10,000 on YouTube ads and send them my way, um, you know, and I was like, dude, in a heartbeat, um, you know, how many companies you run across the street that have $10,000 for YouTube ads? You know, like I have a hard time, but I send everybody to video power. I'm like, yo, video power is amazing. Video power is amazing. But man, his threshold is super high. So it gave me a lot of space and territory to work and to build. So I left, you know, and now, now I'm kicked out, so to speak. I felt that way. And every week, Jake called me. Hey, man, how are you? You know, how's, how's everything coming along? You know, are you picking up clients? You know, what, what, what can we do to help? Every week, he called me. And I was so grateful because, again, I thought, I thought, man, I must have pissed him off, too. Um, you know, and, and I looked back, though. Here's the lesson that I hope consultants realize. This is the one thing that I hope coaches realize because we're all screwing it up as coaches. I know it's a bull claim. We're all screwing it up. But if you look at the track record of the best coaches in the world, you're going to look at the sports ca category. You can't look at private coaching. Private coaching is full of possible lies. We don't get to see behind the closed doors. But I can see Bill Belichick's track record. I can see Greg Popovich. Win I can yep. see the agreements that they make. But I can also see how they treat their players. Right. The best coaches do not control their visionaries. They don't use the words, you should do this. That is the greatest sign. I won't work with somebody. They don't use the words, you need to do this. They don't take control of your vision. They don't tell you what to do. That is the greatest sign of a weak coach. And if you have a coach, if you say, I have a coach, be careful. Why would you put yourself in an incubation where you only need one source of knowledge? You need multi LeBron James. How many coaches does he have? How many coaches does Tom Brady have for the different areas of their life? They want more coaches. Is an advisory board is advisory. A, a better way to go about it to, to yeah. take in support, advisement, coaching, lessons, and learning from a multitude of people who you want to emulate. Because, I mean, at least yes. what I found is I don't want to emulate just one person in all ways. There might be things that I really respect and admire, but then there might be traits and things that I don't want to pick up and glean. But if yes. you can look towards an array, that is a much healthier, at least in my opinion, way to go about it. I love your opinion. That's why I brought you on the podcast from for Vision Pros. You know, it's like I knew, like, wow, you got that super skill of understanding the value of the people around you, you know, and, and the team and empowering them and helping them. So I had to I had to change my mindset because there I was trying to control Jake Larson's vision, not respecting what he wanted only, but I had a vision, right? I learned I'm a visionary for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not a visionary for Kelsey. 
I can create an infrastructure and a, and a place for her vision to thrive like Bill Belichick and the operations manager and the owners of those franchises and sports have done. But Tom Brady is going to be Tom Brady. LeBron James is going to be LeBron James. And if I can inspire them to, to get clarity around their vision, phenomenal. That's what my superpower is, is helping people get clear about their vision so that other people understand it. Most of us as visionaries, we don't articulate what we do very well. It's not inspiring to an audience. We want people to be inspired. The result might be inspiring, but becoming irresistible in your offer, that is a very, very rare experience. That's the Jake Larson's, the Video Powers, the Michael Hyatt's, the T. Harbeckers, the Laserways, these companies that relentlessly dedicate themselves to shutting their mouth and listening to their audience and getting consultants surrounding them who can help them get out of their own way while, and empower them to focus on their passion, their strengths. So Jackson, you've, I mean, you've done so much and you were really just the exemplary example of putting your head down and putting in the work and not giving up. How would you actually define then your vision? Absolutely. My vision, one, I hope people begin to begin with the vision in mind, not the end in mind. You don't know the end, right? Enjoy the journey. You can see the hilltop, get there, right? My vision as of a month ago for the last two years has been to bridge the economic gap between North America and South America. Now I have an executive assistant in the Philippines and I've had other teams in the Philippines, India, Pakistan, great teams. We work with them still, but her capabilities, her capacity and what she's up to and what she wants to do with us are opportunidades, our opportunities program for Latinos with her leadership and help from the Philippines allows me to say, wait a second, did this vision just expand to another nation? That just happened. It could, that could be an exciting possibility. Um, so we're on the fringes of, of looking at it saying, whoa. And then Dave Erickson contacted me the other day and he said, I've got 200 Africans that would love what you're doing with this passion program and with the power launch through first class business. The program looks amazing. What, and, and I'm building that as a freemium resource for business owners to be able to come in, incubate, see our entire infrastructure, try to use it if they want to, or also say, you know what, you guys have been doing this for a while. Why don't we hire you guys? What it, come and try to, you know, you want to recruit great top talent come in and have a respectful conversation with top talent don't go to lebron james and say hey how much is it going to cost me how what's the least i can pay you hey uh you know uh, by the way lebron i don't want you to play basketball the way you want to we already have the agenda of marketing items that you need to do and you know we're going to have the chief title but we want nothing chief about you you're going to you're going to attract a bunch of yes men people who say okay no i can do that that's fair yeah, I can, oh, no yeah that makes sense Oh, you know, what if I adjusted that? Oh, no, you don't like that? Okay, well, I can fit into this. That ain't a chief. That's not a leader. That's somebody who's willing to succumb, who's willing to follow you down your own dangerous path of not knowing how to grow your company. Let's stop doing that to each other as human beings. Let's start appreciating people, people for their strengths. So uh, this might expand into Africa. It might expand into elsewhere. I don't know, but I'm enjoying the journey. And my most important responsibility in all of that is as a father to my four children. I got four children, I'm twice divorced, both hurt tremendously. And I've also had the fortune of being a stay-at-home dad. I was there from day one of my daughter's birth. I got to see the first steps. I don't, I don't want any dad to feel bad that's not there for it, but there's a beauty when you can understand your six-month-old 
because you're there for it. And the six month old didn't grow up with a nanny. Um, you know, and whether they're using the word ya ya for water or they're using the word blah, 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 for for wanting to go outside and play. Um, it, I I have a very deep appreciation for the gift that I've had to build really, really intentful relationships with my children. My oldest is now 12. My real legacy on this, my hope is that every single client that I ever work with needs to be a client that if my kids ever ask me, uh, dad, did you work with the truth about cancer? Yeah, we did. Um, you know, we helped them raise $8 million in two months. Um, you know, Oh, um, they don't care about that yet. They're little, um, you know, they might someday though, but they do care about the fact that we're on these YouTube ads and we get to watch some of those we're like, dad, I saw you on YouTube the other day. Um, you know, like, oh, I did. was it good? They're like, it's pretty funny. Um, you know, and if, if my clients, if what I'm doing, with my clients inspires my children to realize that they can go live a purposeful life and they can have peace and they can have happiness and sleep well at night like that, that's, that's all a big part of this process. I don't, I don't get that by babysitting them and, and giving them everything that they want. You know, giving, if I give them everything they want, I might entitle them to a life that's not possible as an adult. But if I set an example for them with how to show up and serve people and they pick that up and learn how to do that, you know, I, I got a, I got a good feeling that, that God's gonna, gonna help them enjoy this life more than most people get the chance to. Well, agreed completely. Jackson, it seems like the ventures that you have stepped into and you are pursuing, they have a symbiotic benefit. I'm a big believer that pure altruism isn't real because people are still doing it for the joy of what it makes them feel. It feels good to do good for others. But when we acknowledge that, and then when we are able to create businesses that are profitable, we then can use those profits and proceeds to continue to do good. It becomes a self-perpetuating opportunity. And when I look at the the host of ventures that you've created, they have a symbiotic relationship with each other that's really allowing them to continue to grow and expand. I mean, what you're talking about being able to bridge the gap between North and South America and to make a difference and then to be able to do that elsewhere, that's incredible. How are you able to do that? And how do you think you'll be able to continue to perpetuate that in the future? You're amazing, Kelsey. Um, one, catching the vision of that and seeing the puzzle pieces coming together. Um, and, I, and I very much appreciate that. It's been, I, I, so at times I felt super crazy, right? All these things felt like I was so divided and you have the one thing by Gary Keller, like telling you just do one thing and you have all sorts of people come at you in life and tell you just do that. And then, then you're so grateful for the person who says, LeBron, just shut up and dribble. And that blows up in their face because LeBron's got way more to him than that as a leader in the world. Um, and then there's Richard Branson, who's got his 200 plus companies. And it's like, okay, I get the one thing and that's valuable. Um, and there's some of us who are gifted with multi-talents, but mine seems so sporadic. I'm helping people in South America. Um, I've got this passionpro.org thing. It was just a passions assessment. That, that was what really helped me on my mission be effective was I love to ask people deep questions and my order of questions got better and better at driving people towards a new purpose. Um, and so I turned that into a form and I, you know, it's not a stand, I'm not a Stanford grad. I'm a 0.33 dropout. What do I know? Take the assessment and find out. It has changed people's lives. And I did it for the sake of helping mothers and fathers who know that their passion is to be a stay at home parent, feel certified, get certified so they can stop listening to the world who's telling them they're not enough. 
if that's what they choose as their passion. That's not fair. If they want to do more, that's their opportunity. But they don't have to if they know that's them. So that felt like it was off in the distance. And then there's this idea of first class business and launching this academy. And now all these pieces are finally coming together where each one supports each other in a way that creates balance and freedom of choice for entrepreneurs. And that balance and freedom of choice is something that in a lot entrepreneurs have access to some of that in many cases, but most of them don't have the access they want to have to that. And I don't want that to be leveraged as that manipulative tactic of like, well, you have balance, but do you really have enough? You know, it's like, come on, man. Like, I know what you're doing to me. Um, you know, you know where you're at. Your heart and your mind is telling you every day what you need, what, what you want. And if you're willing to listen to that internal source, you'll find the opportunity. The only thing that I knew is I was trying to do what was best for those that I served every step of the way. And so if that person needed a Nutri-Grain bar, you know, I got a Nutri-Grain bar. If that person needed to consult with Kelsey Krebling, then dang, like, let's get them in line with, with Kelsey Krebling. If they need video power, if they need whatever, if they need my direct competitor, 2x.co is a great example of a great company. Virgin startups, like they're way ahead of me on the path. But if you can qualify for it, go for it. There's way more security with Richard Branson than with Jackson Callum right now. You know, like, I'm happy to admit that. And the ones who catch the vision of what's possible here, the ones who see that this train track I've been building, one day, yes, you'll be able to buy a ticket just like everybody else. But you also have the opportunity right now to help me finish the train track. And if people come in with that mindset of, wow, okay, wait a second, he's got an opportunity that's, that's all-inclusive, that's a win-win-win, that's, that's something that not many visionaries, not many people in life realize that people like myself want more strategic partners, investors, business owners by their side. And I need to find people who, who emulate the core values of our company. Love is the basis. Patience, persistence, consistency, and reliability are, are the identity values. We have an entire system to vet people upfront based on those, much like the NFL and the NBA have a combine, I call our hiring strategy a combine. We need to we need to make sure that I'm not going to the YMCA trying to recruit the next NBA basketball player. There's a lot of people who want to be. As my old business partner, Cesar Torres used to say, there's a lot of pretenders in the market. There's very few contenders in the market. We can learn. Just, forgive me for interrupting, but your authenticity comes through. I mean, we met initially based on outreach on LinkedIn and I'll be the first to say I am not usually receptive to cold outreach at all when there's not shared networking contacts that one already has. However, you were able to just completely blow through kind of that barrier that I put up, right? You, you have an outreach approach that is really engaging and your authenticity comes through. And I think that that's, that's a skill in of itself that you've tapped into that is very yes. difficult for people to achieve. It shouldn't be though. And I have a formula for it. And that's, it's not a hard formula. It is one that somebody has to back off what they're doing though and, and hear. And I'm so glad you said that because yes, our acceptance rate for our outreach is insanely good um, at this point. People understand the value and it's because we respect the reality that humans feel 
a sense of stranger danger when they're meeting somebody for the first time. That's baked into our soul for a reason. Like we're supposed to feel that. But the the, the chance, so I got a book coming about out about this. It's called The Power Marketing Funnel uh, is, is a solution. Sorry, the book is called The Marketing Funnel is Wrong. The marketing funnel that we all know, it's only half the formula. You don't, you don't pass a math test with half a formula. You got to have the whole thing. And so it teaches you that people need to be aware and if they're aware, they're going to have intent and they're going to consider. There's a whole funnel. You can look it up right now online and see it. But what it's showing you is the consumer state of mind, meaning it tells you what people want to feel in order to go towards a purchase. But it doesn't reveal how do you as a seller, what action do you need to take to take somebody from awareness to interested, to considering, to having intent, to evaluating and to purchasing? And more importantly, how do you do that in a way that allows people to feel like they belong and to make the choice themselves. So imagine I go into Starbucks, Kelsey, and, and you're there and I walk up to you, you know, and I go, will you marry me? You're like, you might call the cops. You might slap me. You might tell the restaurant, like, hey, this guy needs to go. He's nuts. He's crazy. All of y'all, all of the LinkedIn automation stuff we're receiving is the equivalent of that. Hey, we got this case study. Hey, we got this superpower. Hey, we meet with Mark. Cuban every day. Hey, we got this and that. We're trying so hard to impress people and show people and, and show off. But awareness starts with intrigue. A knock on the door, right? When I knock on somebody's door, they don't know if I'm the police or they don't know if I'm a friend, right? Then if they go and, you know, answer the door and it's my daughter who's got a plate of cookies, you know, now the attraction just sat in, right? And she's not pushing a cookie in my mouth. She's not, she doesn't have to say anything. She's already got enough offer value there where I'm like, man, I might want this. And if I'm a healthy individual, I'm not going to take her cookie from the plate. So she got to be careful who she goes to. But if she tracks me, I got interest. Now, if she inspires me, you know, with, again, she's already got the plate of cookies. She could knock on the door without a plate of cookies. I'd have been like, hey, I'm in the middle of a meeting. Are you okay? That would have been, you know, less effective, right? If she had though, she said, dad, I got some cookies. Do you want some? Right? She's got to invite me. Right. If she hasn't inspired me, the invitation is going to have me going, I don't know if I'm interested in this yet. You know, are they made? Are you going to make them with my money? What's going on? Right. Considering she invites me. Now I've got intent because she invited me and now she makes the offer. They're $10 each, dad. And I'm like, oh, you, you made those with my money and I'm paying $10. She's like, well, dad, it's okay. You know, like you, you don't have to, I'll, I'll, I'm going to package them up for the neighbors anyway. Oh boy, you know, like I might miss out on my own cookies. Um, you know, like she's now, she, you know, you call that the swindle. That's savvy. Um, <laughs> that is savvy, right? And granted, again, if there's an, a true situation of, and so I'm evaluating that offer, I man, I don't know. And I'm, I'm arguing with her now, like again, a $10 for the cookie. I'm like, what's going on with that? Now she has the opportunity to freak out and be like, well, my cookies are better than anybody. So why would you kind of say, oh, that's how we react oftentimes when people question us. But we have the opportunity to support the individual, to support our methods of attraction and say, you know, and we've got to help them realize we're dependable. This is a secure situation. And if we happen to have honest, authentic elements of scarcity and urgency, that will drive a faster purchase. So she's got three cookies left on the plate and those cookies are going colder by the second. And I know I want my cookie hot. It's much more likely that I'm going to spend $10 on that cookie. 
and because she's my daughter, right? I'm going to want to support her on her, on all the effort she put into creating that scenario. But there are seller actions we can learn to honorably use instead of saying, yeah, you know, oh, this offer of you're going to get 75% off. And then find out three days later, the same offer is running. And people say that's just marketing. That's not just marketing. That's illegal and it's lying. And I'm sick of it. We in this country accept it and it's not okay. It's hurting everybody. Karma comes around eventually. But if we could build based on the psychology of healthy relationships and healthy laws of attractions, we could change the economy from a 96% failure rate over 10 years and a 4% survival rate where business owners are surviving. But if you ask them how they're actually doing, most of them have debt. Most of them are still trying to figure it out. And that's not, I'm not rubbing, it's not a shameful thing. It's a reality of stats mm -hmm. that we have access to. But what if we, what if we took America to a 8% success rate from a 4%? We're already a top performing country in the world. I believe we could do that if we gravitated towards healthy boundaries, healthy attraction, and filled the gap on some of these basic learning principles. Well, Jackson, that premise definitely resonates because it's the same sentiment I see just even in business interactions. When you take people from having a much more contentious work environment, people are competing against each other. It's really acrimonious to we're collaborating. We are inspired. We are positive. We want the best for our team members. We don't think that the pie gets smaller when we share it, but instead there's just more pie and there's more to go around. When we take that abundant mentality and we're considered, we've completely completely flipped the script on how we engage and the opportunities become magnified. And what you're saying there with the ability to double the success outcomes, what kind of potential would that would ensue as a result of that? What new innovation would come about because of that? And how much more opportunity would result in people's livelihood, their ability to stay at home with those that they love. I mean, I think the, the outcomes that would be really huge fun to watch. It's I, and I am so fortunate to be blessed by that. You know, I went through an extremely painful first divorce, extremely uh, one that I, I hung on for dear life till the end. I was a catalyst for it, but I wanted to save my family. And when that reality couldn't transpire, I found myself getting my hair cut and some guy came in and, and served me um, a lawsuit. Um, I was like, how'd you find me? This is cool. Um, you know, and I look at it and they'd accidentally included me in a lawsuit of a distributor of Restaurant Connect. Um, and I was no longer a junior founder. And so we didn't end on good terms when I left. I was ready to sue as well. I was like, I was just gifted the template. Um, you know, now I can give this to an attorney and like we can double down on this reality. Um, and so I go home and I got ready to call an attorney and I had a prompting call Adam, the founder of the company. And I start crying. I mean, you near when you're relationship business wise, that is a marriage. Oh, um, I mean, like, you really mm -hmm. family with individuals. And so I, I hit my knees and I start praying with God. I don't want to call Adam. I do not want to in it call Adam. So I called him, um, you know, and I, I start talking to him and I said, Hey, look, man, I know I did things wrong on my side and you guys were no angels in this process either. But what happened to us? And I was like, listen, I just got a lawsuit for you guys. I need to forward it to you. I was going to sue the hell out of you as well. Oh my God, I was so ready, but I, know, I felt prompted to call you. And I just want to tell you, Adam, I, I just went through divorce. 
Um, I don't want to lose any more relationships in my life. I'm tired of it. What happened to us? We were like brothers. So we talk, we meet in Austin a few weeks later. Um, his wife didn't come at that time. You know, she's still upset. Um, she was still upset. A few weeks later, we all finally got back together and we start working together on a new project right before COVID. COVID did not help the restaurant industry, um, did not help the software of the restaurant industry, by the way. I very, very much hurt um, what was going on, but I can call Adam anytime now. Um, I've been able to restore so many relationships. I've been able to create these relationships of love where we were bought in together. We really love and enjoy our relationships. Everybody who works with me, um, you know, we, we strive to hit that relationship as, as best we can. And it's such a beautiful feeling. Uh, Kelsey, when you're able to to be surrounded by people who appreciate that and, and who love that in life. So you're right. Absolutely. Well, and it, it is heartbreaking when that love and that foundation that you put in does not result in the outcomes that you anticipate. And so mm-hmm. what you're saying with that type of loss, it is even in business, it feels like a divorce. It feels like an event that has to be grieved and that has to be absolutely honored, um, even though the outcomes are not what was anticipated. So kudos to you for continuing to operate, though, from that basis of, of love and empathy and consideration with those you engage with. You know, there's a power in, in seeing that grieving as an opportunity. And that's what's scary for a lot of people. But um, I find myself saying I have to do things as well. Don't get me wrong. We all have limiting beliefs. We all have things that we see. But I try to remember, like, wait a second. What is the gift in this scenario? What am I I able to take from this um, experience and learn? And it's oftentimes our most bitter moments that influence the power of our most sweet experiences in life. Um, So when when you can learn to see through that, the sooner we learn to see through that faster, Right, the sooner we can enjoy the entire journey. I'm realized this blown tire means nothing on the side of the road. You know, like this is a great saving opportunity. You. Right. Saving you from something that would have been far worse is how Teaching I teaching opportunity for my kids. You know, I get to all right, we'll learn about this. You know, what, what are we gonna do now? But when we when we embrace those challenges as they come along, um, you know, and, and as I hone my ability to do that, I just I have found that my life gets richer and richer. Definitely. Well, that perspective shift is a powerful one. Um, I teach something called subtle shifts. It's kind of how I refer to it. Oh, but it's like that it. you can't, it is very difficult to completely 180 someone overnight. But rather when you work with somebody over time and you're able to adjust their perspective slowly, incrementally, the end result is really incredible. And it, it fundamentally adjusts how people engage in their life and in the outcomes that they experience. So I, I love that you've taken that perspective. Um, Jackson, I know we're, we're coming up on our time yeah. together, uh, but any final thoughts that you want to share with those that are listening? Yeah, um, I'd invite you to continue to follow Kelsey um, and I'll tune into these podcasts and see what what types of leaders she's bringing on that subtle shifts concept is absolutely amazing. Um, I used to be, I was told by my best mentor, Jackson, sometimes when you speak to people, you hit them with a steel bat. Um, I had no subtleness to me. It's an art that I'm learning still. And so the fact that you have it, you know, showcases a lot about the power of your leadership. And so when we, 
when we gravitate towards leaders and we strive to knock on their doors and get into their lives, the best mentors are usually excited to have you around. So don't hesitate to do that with Kelsey. Um, if you have a vision as well, um, that vision could be grandiose like Elon Musk's. It could be uh, something for your town or your family. Don't hesitate to apply on visionproslive.com to be our guest um, and come share your vision with us and what we're building. Passionpro.org. If you're if you know somebody who's struggling to find their passions, um, you know, and their purpose, they, they don't feel like they've they've found that to the fullest capacity. That that assessment for those who take it with intent of just self-discovering where you're at, it is absolutely amazing what it can do for transforming the direction of, of where you're headed or refining where you're headed and make sure that you're you're on your best path. Um, but if there's any way I can serve anybody that's listening in, I'm happy to do it. Just ask. Amazing. Well, Jackson, thank you so much for joining today. This was a lot of fun and really powerful to hear your background and your experiences and how you've used that hardship, but you've grown from it and how it's really catapulted you to where you're able to make a difference for others. I mean, that's impressive and powerful. And that's a wrap on this episode of the Consultants Council. Thank you so much for your interest and engagement. Let us know what you'd like to learn more about by writing into info at theconsultantscouncil.com. Thanks to Kelsey Consulting for sponsoring this podcast and to Class Act Media for the media support. And with that, cheers and all my best. Have a great week. And remember, what's possible? Do more.